This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Father, I pray that you would raise up a body of do-gooders, a body of people who do well, who treat people right, who carry out your ministry, who live out their faith. It's not just something they believe, but it affects their practice, and people can see and glorify you because of what you've done in our lives. I pray that your name would be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think it might shock you to know that God really wants us to do good. Look, if you would, in verse 9, and underline in that verse, if you would, well-doing. Look at chapter 6, verse 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing. In well-doing. Though not much of what Bible, uh, of the Bible teaches clearly, are we, uh, not, the Bible teaches a lot about doing good works, though I'm not sure people clearly understand that or apply that. Now, the Bible is clear. We are saved by faith. We are saved by his grace. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we all know, and you come to the church here and you study, you know you're not saved by what you do. In Galatians chapter 5, we were told there are the works of the flesh and there's a fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 6, we learn that as Christians, we're supposed to live out our faith. We're supposed to live out our faith. And so we get down to these last two verses in this paragraph, and he says, I want you to not be weary in well-doing. So I'd like to kind of establish up front that the Bible wants, God wants, the Lord teaches us that we're supposed to be doing good works. Look if you would at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Verses 8 and 9 said we're saved by his grace. It's not what we do. But verse 10 says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Look at the truths taught in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. He saved us by his grace. He made us. He created us in Christ Jesus, but unto good works. God wants us to walk in good works. Good works are our purpose. We're going to see biblically that we're supposed to not be weary in well-doing. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2 and verse 7. You have to look at write a lot of these down because you might not keep up. But in Titus chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says that we're to have a pattern of good works. The Bible says in Titus 2, 7, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So we are to have, underline it in that verse, a pattern of good works. 
And that's so that those who would criticize and attack God and Jesus and Christianity and the Bible, they would be embarrassed because they couldn't say, boy, those guys live like wicked people. Those guys are of no value. Those guys don't do anything that's any good. They'll just have to be quiet because you know what? He saved us and he gave us new life and it changes the way we live. It's our pattern, our good works, our doctrine, etc., are to cause shame to those that do not believe and that are against Christ. We show our faith by doing good works. Look at what the Bible says in Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. This is a faithful saying. What Paul's about to tell Titus is a true, worthy, faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly. He said, I want you to say this regularly. I want you to affirm this constantly. I want people to hear this, that they which believe in God might be careful to maintain good works, that they might be concerned about it, careful about it, that they might work at maintaining good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Faithful saying, to be affirmed constantly. If you believe in God, you'd be careful to continue doing good works. My faith affects my actions. My faith affects what I do with my life. I'm not saved by works. I'm saved by grace, but his grace changes me and what I do with my life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. Check out that verse. Hey, don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Your faith is affecting what you do. Let it shine. Don't hide your candle under a bushel. Do right. Treat your wife right. Raise your children right. Live in your society right. Treat your community right. Be a Christian. Live out your faith and they will see your good works and they will glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So, Christianity would affect the way I live. Christianity would affect the way I'm a neighbor. Christianity would affect the way I'm a husband. Christianity would affect true grace, would affect how I live things out. True faith would affect how I uh, relate to sin and the world and lost things. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15, it is for so is the will of God that with well-doing, with well-doing, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Look at that. God changed you. He changed your attitude. He changed your spirit. He saved you. He took you out of sin. He took you out of rebellion. He took you out of this foolish lifestyle and put you into him, in Christ, in grace, and you're going to live out your faith. And look what it says. Your well-doing, you'll put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, who are foolish men? Whenever you read that word fool in the Bible, on the whole, it's talking about someone who's foolish enough to not believe there's a God. 
It's talking about someone who in their own vanity, in their own mind, begins to lift themselves up. And he said, hey, these guys, they don't believe in me. They're ignorant of me. They ignore me. They're atheists or agnostics. They are religious persons that don't believe in the God of heaven. But what I do changes you. It changes the way you do business. It changes the way you act. It changes you. And so you are going to be doing good works and silencing these foolish people. In the Bible, we are given examples of good works. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 27. You want to talk about works? You're going to go to the book of James. Look at James chapter 1 and verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father. Before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. That we, because we're believers, we're going to do stuff to help orphans. We're going to do stuff to help helpless people. We're going to do stuff to help widows. That's what churches are going to be doing. And that, by the way, that's what, that we, our faith affects us so that we think of needy people and help them. Our faith affects us so that we show no partiality based on your social standing, based on your skin color, based on, based on any other thing about you. There'll be no partiality. James chapter 2 and verse 1. You got your Bible open there. He said, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of glory, with respect of persons. For if they're coming to your assembly, a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and they're coming also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that wears the gay clothing or the rich clothing or the money clothing, and say unto him, hey, sit right here in this good place, and you say to the poor guy, stand thou there or sit here under my footstool, are you not then partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? It's amazing. In the early churches of England, they actually had pews you paid for and so you could go to church, into a Christian church in England, and you could have a pew which you paid for, and you could have a heater put in your part of there, a wood stove or a coal stove or an oil stove. You could have a padded section. You could have curtains all around it so I could see your family, and you just kind of had your little booth. And then if you had less money, you had less stuff set up in yours. And if you were poor enough, you got to sit in just a regular pew. And if you were poorer than that, you just got to stand up in the back, which was totally against this. It's kind of like the story you find in Luke chapter 16 of the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man, man, he fared sumptuously. You can imagine the priest and the, and the Levites and the respected people coming to his place. But there's a poor man at the door who is a believer who feeds from the crumbs that fall from the table and the dogs lick his wounds. He said, hey, we're not going to act like that at church. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter. You are welcome and received the same way. Those are good works in how we treat people. We show our faith by our works. Look at James chapter 2 and verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not, good, and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, 
being alone. So when I got saved, I got saved by the pure, rich grace and mercy of God. I didn't deserve to be saved. I was a sinner on my way to hell, and God saved me, and God changed me, and God saved you, and God transformed you, and God made a new person out of you. But he says this really clearly. Your faith will change the way you act. Your faith will change the way you act. Your faith will change how you treat people. Your faith will change how you deal with the business. Your faith will change you. Real faith produces works. We don't work to get saved, but when you get saved, it changes the way you act. Don't forget how this paragraph started. This chapter started in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, and this brother has fallen into sin. You know, I don't know what happened. He was overtaken in sin. I'm not sure what happened to him. I'm not sure if he got tired and weary because the verse is going to say, be not weary and well-doing. I don't know what happened if maybe the temptations of the world began to call on him. But for some reason, this guy stopped living out his faith and the brothers were told, go restore him, get him back to serving God because Christianity affects every part of our life. This is not a Sunday morning thing. This is not what we do when we come to worship. This is who we are all the time. We don't do to be. We do because we are. We are born again and we're saved. I'll give you what at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. Another example of how we do good works and we meet the needs of others. We're a given people. And you are a giving people. But it's because he saved you and changed your attitude. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 17, charge them that are rich in this world. By the way, can I just say, whenever you read that verse, it is very easy to always think this, there are a lot of people richer than me. But let me show you something. Jesus said, the poor will you have with you always. You realize that the poor in America will be rich in other parts of the world. And so poor and rich has to do with where you are on the scale. And most every one of us can find somebody a little bit higher, like the richest guy in America. He probably can't find anybody higher than him. But we can find somebody higher. But I'm rich in this world. I have things. I want you, you're looking at a very wealthy guy. I own a home. I have cars. I have things. I eat well. I have lots of clothes. Uh, you know, I went to Peru. And the first house we rented, we rented on the wealthy side of town. And we, the rent was like $325 a, a, a month. And I went in the closet, and this was a nice home. It probably had, I can't remember if it was three or four bedrooms, a couple of baths on the upstairs. I had an office on the downstairs and a half bath downstairs. Had maid's quarters outside. You could live in. I go in the closet, and there are three pegs, maybe four pegs, like you have at the door. When you walk in the back of your house and you hang your clothes, your coat peg, that's all they had for all their clothes with all of that house. I said, well, we got to take them pegs down. We got to put some rods up, buddy. We got a whole lot more than you can hang on four pegs in a, in a cloth. We're rich in this world. So when you read this verse, before we start reading, I want you to consider I'm talking to a whole bunch of rich people. And some of you are thinking, well, I ain't that rich. Well, you are compared to that guy in Ethiopia. You are compared to that guy. You are compared to that guy in India. You are compared to that other person. So he said, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Quit thinking so much of yourself and quit trusting in uncertain riches. Quit trusting in money and things that we have. Trust in the living God, which giveth us richly all things to enjoy. God's not against you enjoying your stuff. 
He's all for it. Read that verse. Isn't that a good verse? He gives it to you. He says, enjoy it. I'm a good God. I give it to you. But that they do good. Look at verse 18. That they do good. That they do good. Hey, I got some money. I have some time. I have health. I have my mental ability to still have it. So I am to do good. I am to be rich in good works. I'm to be looking around and saying, man, you realize how good God's blessed me? I'm 62 years old. I'm still in good health. I've got money. i got places. i got, I got my mind. i got my health. There are lots of people I can be. Hey, look at what it said. You're rich, buddy. Do be rich in good works. Ready to distribute. That means distribute what you got. You know stuff. You got money. Be a giver. Willing to communicate. Be uh, helping others financially. That's not about talking. That's about giving. Lay up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So we are to be givers. Good works. Look, if you would, at Titus chapter 3 and verse 14. One of the ways we bear fruit is by doing good works. Look at Titus 3.14. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. Would you look at that verse? Isn't that amazing what that verse says? There's several things that verse should just jump off the page of me. Let ours. Now Paul's talking to Titus. That's one of the preacher boys. He said, Paul, Paul says, Titus, buddy, we got people in our churches, so let ours. That's you. Preacher talking to preacher says, let ours learn to maintain. Maintain. Don't do a good work every now and then. Maintain good works for necessary uses. Go help needy people. Go make a difference in your community that we would be not be unfruitful. Our example in doing good is Jesus himself. Look at what he did. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. Who just went about doing everywhere he went. Wasn't he good? I mean, he couldn't walk up on dead people without raising them. He couldn't walk up on six people, sick people without healing them. He, he couldn't stay around health, hungry people without feeding them. He did good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Good works are an evidence. Good works are a sign or an evidence, not steps or effort. Good works are signs or evidence, not steps or effort. The Bible said in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship. I am who I am because of what he did on the cross of Calvary, but he created me unto good works, which God has ordained that we should walk in them. We are not saved by what we do. Not, Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done according to his mercy. Now, before I leave this, I just want you to understand, you don't do any good works to go to heaven. You don't do any good works to go to heaven. Your good works won't gain you one bit of favor with God or one bit of merit with God. And your lack of good works won't gain you one bit of less of favor. It's God's goodness and grace. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11 and verse 6, if it's faith, it's not works. If it's works, it's not faith. It's a tongue-tying verse. You can read it up here on the screen behind me. It's a tongue-tying verse, but it says it's an either-or situation. Now go back with me, if you would, to Galatians 6, 9. I just want you to know this before we get started. So we just got started. That's basically introduction. But look at this. Good works ought to be a part of our life. Amen. 
We don't just come here and talk about a guy who died on a cross that was buried and rose again and go out and live like everybody else all week long. He changed us. It affects the way I treat my wife. It affects the way I treat my neighbor. It affects how I treat other people. It affects how I live here on this earth. He changed us. That's what the Bible says. Now go with me to chapter 6 and verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Overcoming discouragement or weariness in well-doing. You know, when we do good works, God is glorified. That's what he said. He said, let them see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When he sees your marriage that's lasted 50 years, and you're still loving your wife and treating her with dignity and respect and honor. Your neighbor says, I don't know what's going on. That's different. Well, that's because of his God. That's what's made the difference there. When he sees you loving and treating your children with respect and kindness and raising them for godly stuff, people are like, man, his faith affects it. When they see you being the neighbor you ought to be, they're like, God is glorified. I didn't say that. Jesus did. He said don't hide it under a bushel. Let your light shine. Let them see your good works and thereby glorify your Father. The church prospers. People start realizing, man, and people are spread amongst us. They treat people right. We're the salt of the earth. That means we're, we give flavor to the earth. It means we preserve. And as the people of God live it out, it begins to affect everybody around us. Well, that our reward increases. God blesses us as we do that. So why do we get weary? Really funny, I was laying in the bed this morning and I thought, man, I need this message today. Sometimes, you know, you've been doing it year after year and day after day. You deal with people that don't appreciate it and you, you might get weary. And Paul said, let's not be weary in well-doing. The temptations of this world would pull us away from living for Christ and others and back to ourselves. Because everything around us, you live in America. In America, you know what America's about? Me. Me. Television's about me. Stores are about me. My money's for me. It's all about me. That's what the whole world would pull us to. Jesus would say, no, 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 no. Me first. Jesus first. Others second. And yourself last. That's what Jesus would say. But this world keeps saying, i got to take care of number one. Had a high school teacher way back in the 19, late 1960s and early 70s. And she said, she said, if you don't toot your own horn, it'll remain untooted till the day of tutoration. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard, but I'll never forget how dumb that was. But isn't that where we live, isn't it? Selfies here and selfies there and talk about me and talk about my stuff. You want to see what I'm eating? You want to see what I'm wearing? You want to see what I'm buying me? The whole world screams, me, my, I, get all you can and sit on the can. People that would take advantage of our good works. You know, if you do right, you know, you say, well, I've been doing right a long time, preacher. Come to church, I treat people right, and I do good, and people just take advantage of you. Well, let us not be weary in well-doing. Other believers that have no desire to do good works. You're amongst other believers. You're like, well, I'm working hard, I'm doing stuff, but I don't see him doing anything. I don't see her doing anything. Well, that's okay. Let us not be weary in well-doing. So much need in so many places, it makes us want to give up. You look around and you say, I just, there's no way I can get enough done. Let's just give up. Let's not be weary in well-doing. Our selfishness desires and demands to be recognized. If I do good, I need my name mentioned. 
If I do good, you better put me in the bulletin. You ever been to one of them little Baptist churches? I know you have. Every pew's got a name on it. Every window's got Because if I do good, I need my name somewhere on that thing. We work so hard and it's just much of the same. It becomes monotonous. We've been doing this for a long time. You know, when you first get saved, I used to watch men. They get saved and prove. They'd never heard the gospel. They'd never understood these truths. They'd be so excited. But after you've done it a year and two years and five years and ten years, one day you wake up and you're like, man, I've been doing the same thing for a long time. Let us not be weary in well-doing. We see so few results. It's like you can pray. It don't seem like it does any good. You can give, and it seems like it does no good. You can teach, and you wonder if it does any good. Let us not be weary in well-doing. So how do we overcome this weariness? Obviously, there was a tendency to get weary in well-doing. First thing, we know our labor is not in vain. First Timothy, First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now listen to this. Here's what God said. God said, you just keep doing it. You're not wasting your effort. But it is labor. The word that's used there is labor, which means hard labor, which means suffering, which means carrying the load, which is bearing the burden in the sun. But he said it would be worth it. Let's not be weary in well-doing. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, we, we can overcome weariness because we look unto Jesus. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. That's endurance, the race that is set before us. Everybody in this room, you got something to do for Jesus. You're not just an accident. You're not just here. you got something God wants to do with your life. But it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. And it lasts a long time. And it's in the sprint. It's a marathon. It's not run 100 yards and take a break. It's run 26 miles and 26 more. It's keep it up. Verse 2 said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of God. Verse 3 says, consider him. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Right now, you might be thinking, I don't know if it's worth it. Be not weary and well-doing. Maybe you're thinking, I've been tithing and giving for years. I've given enough money to buy a house since I started. I don't know if it's worth it. Well, look at Jesus. Consider him lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, the Bible says, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Oh, the pastor might not notice the pastoral staff might not pay attention to you. Your name might not get in the bulletin and you won't get named. Often Betty will say to me, you need to recognize so-and-so. And I'm like, man, I'm scared to recognize anybody. You recognize one, you forget one. You're in trouble. But he doesn't forget. Pastor forgets. Deacons forget. Family members forget. Those you help forget. But he is not unrighteous. Hebrews 6.10. To forget your work and labor of love that you have showed toward his name as you minister to the saints 
and you do ministry is you serve others. Get a hold of God in prayer. That's how you don't faint. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, the Bible said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. In other words, you want to get a hold of God so he gives you strength. Hebrews 10, 36, one of my favorite verses. We're doing good. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, I've been pastoring over 42 years now. Sometimes I wonder, is it worth it? I sat there this morning thinking, Lord, help me. Help me say it right. Help me do it right. God, help me. Because you wonder. But be not weary in well-doing. Hebrews 10, 36, you have need of patience. Patience is a word that talks about the endurance runner. It's the word that means you run and you keep on running. Like when we hear patience, we think annoying and I put up with it. That's not really what it means in the Bible. What it means is endurance. What it means is continuing on in spite of everything around you. What it means is you run that first mile and your side is hurting and you're breathing hard and you don't seem to be able to get your breath and your mouth is dry and you're thinking, I think I'll quit. But endurance and patience says I'll run another mile. You give and no one appreciates you. You've been supporting missionaries and they don't seem to care. You've been preaching the gospel. You've been giving your children and you begin to wonder, is it worth it? He said, you have need of patience. Hang in there. Go back with me to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Be faithful and patient to reap. Look at what it says. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap. If we faint not. Look at the verse. My time's up, but would you check out what it says? In due season. Keep doing right, well doing, even if you do not see immediate results. It's never about the product. It's always about the process. It's always about me doing right and letting God take care of the rest of it. It's about me doing what I know to do and letting God take care of the rest of it. Nobody who farms, nobody who farms, in fact, is who was, I can't, we were just with somebody, and he said to me, he said, we ought to have, Glenn Anderson, Friday in our class, said, every Bible college ought to have a whole semester on farming. He said, he gave a whole semester on farming that can understand the Bible better. You know, because, you, because when you sow, you don't reap right away. When you plant a watermelon seed, you don't eat watermelon the next day. When you, when you plant a corn seed, you don't have roasting ears. That's what we called them when I was a kid. You don't have them the next day. It takes a while. He said, so be not weary in well-doing. Hey, keep doing it in due season. You'll reap if you faint not. You understand that when you sow, you do not see immediate results. You trust God to work. The harvest will come in due season at the right time. And if we faint not, if we don't give up, we will not miss the blessings that God has for us. But it might take a lifetime. It might be at the, at the, at the reward seat before we ever know how good it went. But we just keep doing right. We can serve confidently knowing that God will give a harvest. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Look at the word opportunity. Underline the word opportunity. i got to do it now. Well, i got the chance. 
When I was a kid, we used to say, sing a song. I said, work for the night is coming when man can work no more. John chapter 9 and verse 4, the Bible says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when men can work no more. God gives you opportunities. Right now you can give. Maybe soon you won't be able to give. Right now you can serve, but maybe soon you won't be able to serve. Right now you can teach, but maybe soon you won't be able to teach. Maybe no one ever recognizes you. Don't be weary. And take advantage of what's in front of you to serve God. To serve God. Just look at the verse with me and we'll stop. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all men. This isn't a selfish inside the church thing. I'm supposed to be treating everybody right. Especially those of the household of faith. Years ago, I was driving down the uh, Highway 441 uh, or 411 in, in Cartersville. And I came on this guy walking down the side of the road. And, and I stopped and I picked him up. His name was Sal, Salvatore. He was an Italian from New York who lived on the streets. He was a bum. And I picked him up and I got in the car. He got in the car and I said, hey, buddy, my name's Austin. What's your name? He said, Sal. I said, hey, Sal. Just want to give you a ride down the road wherever you need to go. He said, I just go down the road as far as you want to go, and you can let me out, and I'll keep walking from there. I said, all right. I said, hey, Sal, do you know if you died, you go to heaven? He said, stop the car. I knew why you picked me up. I don't need your faith. You just want to tell me about getting saved. When I don't get saved, you're going to throw me out anyway, so just throw me out now. And I said, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to throw you out. If you don't want to believe what i got to say, it's fine with me. He said, well, if you was any good, you'd give me a job and a place to stay and something to eat. I said, fine. You want to come to my house? You can spend the night. He said, what about a job? I said, I'll give you a job. You work at our church. You'll be the janitor. Start tomorrow. He said, for real? I said, for real. He said, where am I going to stay? I said, in my house. He said, you're going to let me and nobody in. I said, hey, I'm supposed to do good to all men, especially them in the household of faith. I got home. I walked in the door. I said, why don't you wait out here just a minute? I got to go talk to Betty. I walked in, I said, Betty, you know, the Bible says you entertain angels unawares. I got one out in the car, and he don't smell like one. I walked in, I said, this is my wife, Betty, and these are my little children here. I had three about that three, at that time, I think. And we took him in, it took him in the house, and Betty washed his clothes. She held him with a stick and put him in the washer. She held him because they stunk so bad. He stayed with us about, uh, I don't know, a week, six or eight weeks. At the end of six, eight, I told him, I said, you stay at my house, I'll give you a job. You can work for the church, the church will pay you. Uh, but you got to go to all the church services. He said, I knew you'd do I said, hey, you getting to eat? You getting a place to stay? All you got to do is put up and listen to me preach a little bit. After about eight weeks, we are about to start a, re- a revival one Sunday morning. And he, he, he got up and he out, came outside and he said, I'm gone. He said, I ain't going to church every day this week. That is not happening. And he kept, left. He came back. But here's the deal. Did you know what you're supposed to do? It's crazy. Good to all men. <laughs> you said, this ain't Christianity. I want to hear about grace, how God loves me. I know, and he does. But it affects the way you live. It affects the way you talk to somebody. It affects the way you treat other people. Let's not be weary in well-doing. We will reap if we faint not. We have an opportunity. God's given me money. I can support the work of God. I can help missionaries get around the world. And I can help a bum off the street if, if there's an opportunity. Let's do good.
you're probably thinking, this is crazy. But true Christianity does affect the way I live. And true Christianity does affect the way I treat people. Let's not be weary in well-doing. You attend vision, and you're the biggest givers in the world. You support missionaries. You lose your friends. You give to the mission field. You give to your children. You do everything else. But let's not be weary in well-doing. For we will reap if we faint not. And today's the last chance I got. I don't know if I got a chance tomorrow. I don't know if tomorrow's going to, God's going to let me do something. So somebody's going to be hurting this week, and somebody could use your love, and somebody could use your help, and you could be a good neighbor to somebody. And when you do it, you don't have to advertise. You don't have to put up a sign say, I'm doing this because I love Jesus. They'll figure that out. Let's live out our faith. This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. For more information, log on to www.visionbaptist.com where you can find our service times, location, contact information, and more audio and video recordings.